This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Feisty, fearless, and fair. Telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Rita Cosby Show, we are going to talk about the fact that crime is rampant across this country and repeat offenders continuously get out. They continuously roam the streets, even those with massive prior records, even those who are clearly mentally deranged. You know, you hear of these cases and it's over and over again. And When I hear the stories of these cases, you can't just say they are numbers. They are real people with families who now miss them from the violence that these crazy people have inflicted on them. And it's time, I really believe, that we just got to get tough. We have to say when we go to the voting booth, if this person is not for law and order, they do not deserve to represent our communities. And that goes for across the country. Today, we heard some stunning numbers from the FBI about the amount of murders that have gone up in this country. And by the way, the new statistics that the FBI released don't even include the NYPD numbers and the LAPD numbers. So without even including NYPD numbers and Los Angeles They can still say that murders are up this year from last year. By the way, that is no surprise to any of us because we see it every day, no matter what community across this country, because crime is skyrocketing at a despicable pace. And often, time and time again, when you look at the background of these people, it's no surprise. You look at the history of this person and you go, Well, this person was basically a criminal waiting to happen. Or you look at their rap sheet and it's a mile long and you're like, how is that person even walking free? And there have been two huge cases of late that really just epitomize it. And I think in very horrific, sad detail. Case in point, first off, this horrible case of Lieutenant Allison Russo. Here she is, a beloved FDNY paramedic, EMT, she was fatally stabbed in Queens, New York. She's just walking down the street to go get lunch in the middle of the day. And this crazy guy who everybody said in the neighborhood was crazy, was just kind of like a zombie walking around, like clearly was a loony kazoony. Uh, they said, well, suddenly out of the blue, and you can see it on the surveillance video, He comes over and he stabs her 19 times as she is very close to her station house. Today, there was a funeral for this beloved civil servant, this servant who just absolutely loved what she did. She was a mother. 
She was a grandmother. She was a daughter. And today, everybody in blue and everybody at the FDNY came out to show their support for this beloved 61-year-old woman based on Long Island who worked in Astoria, Queens, and was the victim of just a crazy guy who just randomly came out of the blue on a beautiful day, comes over and stabs her to death. And now people are going, well, that guy seemed a little crazy. That guy seemed a little off. That guy seemed a little loony kazoony. Well, guess what? Maybe it's time when somebody seems a little crazy that you start reporting them. And we also have to start telling our politicians and others that if somebody seems a little crazy, guess what? Maybe they are a major threat to society. Maybe they're a ticking time bomb. And I think as we get more details on this guy, we're going to find out some pretty sordid things, I'm sure, in his past. Who was he living with? What was, all, you know, what was in his background? We're still getting new details. How many other assaults or other things did he do? Typically, there's a lot of things in somebody's background. They don't just suddenly, all of a sudden, one day, snap. Typically, there are things that have happened in private or things that may be on his record. Typically, there is a whole bunch of other stuff out there that we do not know. And because all of that, you have to look into somebody's background. And when you see the warning signs, it is time to get tough. And I am so sick of these politicians like this Tiffany Caban, who, by the way, represents Queens. And here she is putting out this brochure, this guideline, saying if you see someone who's crazy, you know, uh, basically what you should do is go over and talk to them and ask them, did they go to high school with you? Uh, ask them what time it is. Ask them uh, what do they like to eat or drink. Spill a soda. Do something to distract them. I mean, you shouldn't have any contact with somebody like this. My goodness, if this person would do this to this beloved civil servant, the last thing you want to do is have any communication with somebody like that. And if you see somebody in the neighborhood walking around like a zombie, don't you think there's some sort of problem there that that person looks crazy, looks cuckoo? You see them every single day looking crazy and cuckoo. Don't you think maybe you should kind of look into their background and find out where does this person live? What does he do? Who is this person, he or she? I mean, there's a lot of questions tonight that really deserve to be answered. And there are just so many heart-aching, breaking, like, elements to this case. And also to the case of the father in Poughkeepsie, New York, who is going to visit his son at Marist College. Because tonight we're finding out that the shooter of that case, there were those two guys, remember, who were, quote, homeless. They weren't really homeless, per se. They were more likely drug dealers who were staying out in a hotel. And guess what? In that case, we're finding out that at least one of the main guys, who, thank goodness, is now arrested, well, he was a suspect in a prior murder, and he was wanted in Georgia. So you sit and you go, how could this guy even be walking the streets? And then he opens fire in a lobby when this poor, innocent father who's going to visit his son on parents' weekend gets caught in the crossfire, gets shot in the chest and dies. And you look at this guy's rap sheet and say, what kind of judge in their right mind ever would have let this guy out? And if we're going to have soft on crime judges, we better not have soft on crime politicians who oversee them. We shouldn't have either. We need to have right now tough judges who finally say enough, 
that break this cycle. This experiment with like social justice and criminal justice reform clearly hasn't worked. It's not working. You know, you get an F, time to move on. And then politicians who are continuously allowing these people to walk free. This needs to stop, too. It is outrageous. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to your calls. Let's go to Valeria in Florida. Valeria, your thoughts about all this. Hi, Rita. My Half of my family used to live in New York. I have a cousin, an elderly cousin in Forest Hills. They won't leave the house. I lived there in the 70s when it was really bad. I can tell you right now, I keep in touch. I was there in August with a driver. I wouldn't take a subway or a bus or a taxi or an Uber. I had a driver when I went in. There are certain people that are being trained or conditioned or coaxed to go after certain people. Okay? It's part racist, and it's also part they can tell who's a gentle soul, and they go after a gentle soul. They don't go after their own kind, as you can see. Yeah, but you know what's interesting? Innocent victims are caught in the crossfire, Valeria. I mean, you see it all the yes, time. They are. they are. And and that needs to stop. I mean, that's the problem. Innocent victims are caught in the melee. They are caught in the crossfire. And for that reason, you know, we have to at some point say enough. When do we say stop that we cannot take it anymore you're correct and the mayor's not doing anything about it and he's tying the hands of the police he's tying the hands of the police and the other people at the top are tying the hands and when crazy people like stan call up and blame the police that they should do more every time a policeman acts like a policeman now his whole life is is laying on the line that his whole life is going to be destroyed by some ambulance chaser lawyer yeah, no, you're right. And it, it is just politicians. Oh, I, the politicians. I, I agree with you. I think it goes to the heart of the matter that they need to get tough. Uh, Valeria, thanks so much. We always love your call. And everybody joining us now is former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Uh, Rudy, great to have you here on the show. And how are you, Rita? I'm good. You know, I wanted to talk with you, especially about this case, uh, two different cases, but one sure, first, sure. of course, about the EMT, uh, Lieutenant uh, Allison Russo. Today, her father, by the way, um, just lashed out. He was so upset, understandably. And and I want to play, actually, a comment from the father, please. Rudy. And I'm going to get you to respond because I can't. My heart breaks when I listen uh, to this dad. Here is the father of EMT, Allison Russo, at the funeral today. Take a listen. I just wanted to also add in here, that man murdered my daughter, and she would be the first one to come to his aid if he ever needed help. He left the lion there on the street like a rag doll that was just discarded. Uh, Rudy, it is gut-wrenching to hear that. Your thoughts? My thoughts are that this is... um absolutely predictable from uh, de Blasio's policies and Adam's policies with the homeless and mentally ill. Uh, where, where someone got the notion that dangerous mentally ill people should be on the street and not locked up 
I don't know. I remember Senator Moynihan once telling me how uh, somebody came up with this idea. He actually wrote a book about how crazy it was. And, you know, we've been emptying out mental hospitals now for about 30 or 40 years. And people, people that are dangerously ill are, you know, left out on the street. So when we add to it, the people that don't uh, get bail, like in, in uh, Philadelphia, I don't, we haven't done a number here yet. It's about 50 to 60% fewer people are arrested than uh, four or five years ago. So no wonder they have crime going through the roof. We're at about 40%. When you add that, when you add all the early paroles and all the early releases and all the releases de Blasio did for COVID 5,000 at a time, and then you consider that the mentally ill, we've closed down Creedmoor Hospital. We closed down Goldwater Hospital. I mean, I passed those hospitals. I know them. When they wanted hospital beds for people with COVID, I said, what the hell's wrong with Cuomo and de Blasio? They got so many hospital beds for the mentally ill, you could put 30,000, 40,000 people in hospital beds. Just fix them up. You used to have the mentally ill in those hospital beds. Those people are now on the street. They're supposed to take medicine. They don't. No one makes sure they take medicine. But if they're mentally ill, how are you going to count on them to take medicine? I mean, liberals are, among other things, I have become convinced, reader, they're too dangerous to have jobs of responsibility. They should do things like write poems, sing songs, hold hands. But they should never be responsible for the lives of other people because they're too damn uh, uh, irresponsible. Well, you know what? They are clearly not also enforcing the law, just as you talk about mental illness. And, you know, neighbors in this community of Queens where she was attacked, the EMT, um, they basically said, oh, yeah, the guy, we used to see him all the time. They used to describe him kind of walking around like a zombie, uh, said he lived in the neighborhood, was always weird, was always, you know, just a strange guy, uh, always thought he was kind of really uh, mentally disturbed. So if that's the case, don't you kind of want to look into that person a little bit more? And then of you've got you these, and then, by the way, you've got this crazy Tiffany Caban uh, who's out there on the left of the left. Uh, defunder who basically is saying you should business owners if you see a crazy person go ask them if uh you know if they went to high school with you go uh go talk I, to I, them. I, that's insane i shouldn't laugh at that i know i i uh maria and i did did a whole thing on that on the on our show on sunday and and uh we found ourselves laughing well now we're so embarrassed we were laughing because i mean it's a tragedy but i mean it's so crazy you actually are going to have somebody come up to you who wants to kill you with a knife or a gun or a, a, a baseball bat, and, and you, you say to them, do we go to high school together? Yeah, I the mean, last the, thing the you want to do is have contact with them, Rudy, you know? Well, I mean, that, that's like an opening line in a bar if you're trying to pick somebody up. <laughs> do, do we go to high school together? Right, I mean, the, old, I, I, the old bar line, exactly. Yeah. And by the way, a loony kazuni, you want to stay away from them. The last thing you want to do is start engaging with them. Of course, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's like um, it's like I, when I described this uh, when they first first said they were going to use social workers in Minnesota when they started this defunding and change the police and send the social workers and and I said, what are they going to do? They're going to walk into a d- domestic dispute thing where the guy is beating the hell out of the woman and say, use your words. I, mean, that, I never sent a social worker alone. 
to a homeless person or or a or a or a domestic uh, dispute, I send a police officer with it. I don't know. I don't know social workers that would go along. Oh, and by the way, Kaban doesn't even want social workers because they tend to call the police. Right. That is crazy. I don't know she wants. I mean, maybe people. Maybe she wants homeless people to go take care of other homeless people, so they can find places under railroad tracks where they can live. I mean. I, what has happened to us? I don't know. And I, I really do know. We have an awful lot of brainwashed people that just vote Democrat, 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 Democrat. Every single thing I'm talking about is the result of Democratic policies in New York, in Philadelphia, in Chicago, in Los Angeles, in San Francisco, uh, funded by George Soros. Exactly. That's the common thread. Do me a favor, Rudy. Stay with us. We just got to go to a quick sure. commercial break. Wonderful. We're going to continue with the great America's mayor, former New York City mayor, Rudy Giuliani, right after the break, everybody. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And we are talking about crime skyrocketing, random crime across America. Another recent case was this of a father who was visiting his son at college in Poughkeepsie, New York, and he gets caught in a hail of bullets by two, I hate to use the word homeless because they were basically drug dealers who were staying at the hotel, uh, fired 19 rounds. One of them lands in his chest and he dies. And now in the last few hours, we're finding out, surprise, surprise, one of the guys that was involved in this killing was a fugitive from justice from cases in Georgia tied to drugs and other, uh, basically gun charges. And he's also, by the way, uh, was the primary suspect in another murder in Poughkeepsie, New York. Same location. It's like you can't make this up. How could this guy even be out to be able to do this? And apparently when they went to his hotel room, loaded for bear, tons of ammunition. And again, a massive repeat offender. Rudy, this case is so heartbreaking. We continue with Rudy Giuliani. So, so this case never never had to happen if, if uh, we didn't have uh, silly, uh, ridiculous progressives. I'll give you an example, de Blasio. The day de Blasio came into office, which is a long time ago now, he said, I'm going to do away with the broken windows theory. And I said, uh, probably publicly, but I certainly said uh, privately, there, there goes, uh, there goes a lot of murders. Uh, the, the, the liberals once again, uh, because they have no practical common sense, have no idea that uh, if you enforce the law, uh, including laws that you might somewhat sometimes uh, uh, overlook because you don't think they're serious enough, like uh, bail, like uh, uh, toll jumping and not paying your tolls and things like that. Or uh, not not taking the squeegee people out of the streets. And do you know that squeegee people we arrested? Forty five percent of them had warrants for violent crimes. 
Wow, that's a huge so, so, amount, so, right? Okay. So the city, the city uh, was very, very excited that we got rid of the squeegee people, and and the press kind of played it down a little. Oh, big deal! I, I did it right away, my first couple of months in office, uh, and the press played it down. Oh, big deal! Giuliani got rid of the squeegee people, and I said, well, this is why to myself, this is why I'm mayor, and you're a bunch of idiot reporters, because I know this is going to reduce crime ultimately. If I put 45% of the people with warrants in jail, then maybe something like you just talked about doesn't happen. We stopped the serial killing by picking up a guy uh, that wasn't paying his uh, – that, that jumped over the turnstile. Wow. Well, Rudy – He jumped over, he jumped over the turnstile. We arrested him. Rudy, uh, you know uh, what? My, that my, is so important, and you know your message is so pivotal. We have a heart break, unfortunately, coming up. Um, what's the name of the book? book by the way, what's the name of the book? Uh, the name the name of the book uh, is Leadership. It goes back about 20 years, but it was a bestseller back then. Well, we need and, to bring it uh, back, and we need leadership like you. Rudy, unfortunately, we got a heartbreak coming up, but thank you. Your uh, they point... don't know what they're doing. They're a bunch of incompetent idiots, and, and uh, some of them are communists, too. Well, we need, we need get-tough mayors like you back in office. Thank you so much, Rudy. We love you. And we're going to have a lot more after the break. Taking your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The Rita Cosby show presents back the blue. And in tonight's back the blue segment, which we love doing every night here on the show, honoring our brave men and women in law enforcement, a powerful story from Northampton, Massachusetts, where Northampton police responded to a call this week to locate a resident's missing husband after he went out to walk their dog and he never came back. The 84-year-old man went out for a walk with their dog around 6.30 p.m. Now, his spouse told police that he usually returns within half an hour. However, their dog returned to their home alone with its leash in tow, and he was not there. So police said that officers did a strong search of the area and were fortunate to locate the man who had fallen down a steep 20-foot embankment into the woods. How scary. The man had spent hours there yelling for someone, anyone to help him. Northampton police and fire and rescue crews were able to work together in extricating him from the very steep embankment. He was then brought to the hospital where he was treated amazingly for just minor injuries and is said to be doing okay. Thanks to the great work of the men and women in blue. Uh, bravo to uh, the great police there and also fire and rescue crews at Northampton, Massachusetts. And we have been talking about just how pervasive crime is these days. Crime is just out of control. And some new FBI numbers show that murder 
is on the rise in America. No surprise. Anybody who, especially if you live in a big city, you see it every single day, how much more dangerous, how much more violent the streets have become. And it is time now to only vote into office people who care about your safety and who care about your security. And all these people with these sort of placating words suddenly around election time, look at the actions, look at the track record, see if they are a bona fide supporter of law and order, or if they're suddenly just kind of playing word games because the November elections are right around the corner. And case in point, of course, of this case of Lieutenant Allison Russo. This is this EMT worker who spent more than two decades at the FDNY EMT. And there she is, broad daylight, walking down the street. And this crazy guy comes out of nowhere and stabs her 19 times. It is just it's shocking and it's horrifying. And now her father came out and basically said, you just left her to die. He had to watch the surveillance video. Can you imagine just how difficult that was for the father of this beloved EMT worker to see what happened to her? Here she's dedicated her life to service. She's apparently an amazing daughter, was an amazing grandmother, an amazing mother, an amazing colleague. And she has to now be buried and her father has to see what happened just because some loony kazuni who never should have been out on the streets to begin with. This guy was clearly mentally deranged. And it is time where American politicians and American citizens all join together because this is a common this is not a, a Republican issue. It's not a Democrat issue. This is an American issue where we have to sit there and say, what is the best for civil society? We can't have a civil society if crazy people are just roaming the streets and suddenly stab somebody 19 times who's an EMT worker. And then what about the case of this father of three people? He goes to Marist College. He's visiting his son there, and suddenly he gets caught in a hail of bullets. 19 bullets are flying. One of them hits him in the chest, and he dies. And it turns out the guy who was pulling the trigger Surprise, surprise, he was a fugitive in another case in Atlanta tied to drugs and guns and was also wanted potentially for being the lead suspect in a murder case in Poughkeepsie. This is the epitome of what is wrong with our justice system. We can't have this. we got to have a civil society, and we have to have laws, and laws have to be enforced on the books. And we need to have not just tough judges, who say, we can't feel sorry for somebody because they have a criminal history or they're homeless or whatever it is. Sorry, they have no right to inflict danger on all of us. It is time to get tough. And when I sit there and I listen to just the heartbreaking words of this father of Lieutenant Allison Russo, he spoke at her funeral today, uh, which was just a sea of supporters from FDNY, from the NYPD, from law enforcement all over the place, also the community. She was beloved. And her father spoke at the funeral and talked about just what an incredible human being his daughter was, again, taken by a monster. Take a listen. My wife and I, Allison is our hero. We all say God bless and thank you for all your support. And you'll always be remembered in our hearts. And then he talked about her life 
and what happened that day in broad daylight. On September 29th, our hero's life was tragically cut short by the senseless stabbing to death of our beautiful girl. And they stumbled upon a black and white security video. I pressed the play button and was shocked to see the assailant lunge at her, knocking her to the ground and stabbing her 25 times to death. She lay there motionless on the ground as he sauntered away. I couldn't hear her cry out, Mom, Dad, help! No, only God knows the horrific look on her face as he stabbed her to death. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine? My gut, I am so upset listening to this, Dad, because your heart just breaks for him. And then he went on. Here's a little more of what he said happened to her that day by this guy who never should have been out. Take a listen. I just wanted to also add in here, that man murdered my daughter, and she would be the first one to come to his aid if he ever needed help. He left her lying there on the street like a rag doll that was just discarded. I don't know how you feel, but hearing that, I am like moved to tears. It is so unbelievably horrible. And you hear the case of this mentally ill man who everybody in the neighborhood said was nuts. So what was he doing? Not getting help. What was his family doing? What were people in the community doing? The guy was clearly nuts. Everybody said it. And what was the system doing to make sure he was locked up? Because you can bet. He clearly had violent tendencies. Suddenly somebody doesn't just go over to somebody and stab somebody 19 times without some sort of history and violence in his background. And this is a little bit more from Alison Russo's father at the funeral today. She was such a beautiful person. He killed her and tore the whole of our hearts and all her colleagues. Only time we hope will fill the void with the memories of her service and kindness to help those in need. Boy, what a huge loss for all of us that she is no longer with us because of a monster whose society clearly didn't have locked up. And I'm sick of hearing every time, oh, the person had mental illness. Of course they had mental illness. You think normal people go and kill people in the middle of the street? Clearly, they got some sort of mental illness. They got to have mental illness to be able to do it of some shape or form. But this guy then ran away and hid. I mean, case in point, I don't actually don't think he's that crazy. Because guess what? As soon as it happened, he hid. He barricaded himself in his apartment. He knew what he did was wrong. He knew the difference between right and wrong. So I think any sort of like. Oh, let's, uh, let's use a mental insanity defense. That is a bunch of hogwash. 1-800-848-9222. Um, let's go to Steve, line two. Steve, your thoughts. How you doing? This is a systemic problem. And if you think these politicians are going to change, they're not. This is the Marxist, socialist, communist ideology. And us as the public have to get involved. I was on the phone today with uh, Tiffany Caban's office, couldn't get through. The number was busy. 
We have to start making phone calls and putting pressure on these politicians. That's the only way. And, you know, we also have to vote them out because, you know, it's, it's crazy. A man got pushed in front of a subway train at 14th and Union Square. We had a tourist from Maryland Sunday, Times Square, got approached by two men and a woman. They hit him in the head with a bottle, slashed his cheek, requiring 15 stitches, took his money, his wallet, and his phone. We had a 60-year-old retired detective who was shot in the abdomen, and the gangbanger behind him got grazed in the neck. Okay, I mean, on and on and on. Look at this case in Poughkeepsie. Mr. Roy Johnson, who pulled the trigger, they not only did they have guns in the room, they had bomb-making materials. So how did these two go undetected? I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and you know what's amazing? By the way, you know, Steve, on that last case, too, what is so unbelievable, uh, this is, of course, of the father who's there for the Father's Weekend and goes to Marist College. He's checking out of the hotel, getting coffee, and he's caught in crossfire. Um, the Roy Johnson Jr., the guy, one of the two who's been arrested, Turns out he had a warrant for uh, drugs and guns tied to Atlanta. He was also a primary suspect of a murder in Poughkeepsie. It's like, wait a minute. And the murder in Poughkeepsie was in August. Guess what? The drug issue and everything in Atlanta was in July. So let me get this straight, Steve, and, I, and, and I'm not, you know, screaming at you, mad at you. I'm mad at the system. Let me get this straight. The guy is wanted in July for drugs and guns. Then he does this, basically plays some role in like a drug gang murder, they believe, in Poughkeepsie in August. Don't you think when they look to see this is a guy who's wanted for drugs, uh, you know, he's wanted for this murder in August. Don't they go back and go, look, there's a there's a, a warrant out for his arrest in Atlanta. They could have just arrested him right then and there. Outstanding warrant. They didn't. You have somebody who has an outstanding warrant for drugs and guns roaming free. And they're a primary suspect in another murder. And now we know that they were definitely involved in this murder. I mean, this system broke on this one. This system is disgusting. Go ahead, Steve. I'm so angry when I look at this guy's background. They should have, shame on that police department. Poughkeepsie Police Department, when they knew that he was a primary suspect in that case that happened in August, they could have locked him up and they did nothing. And yet he was roaming free to now open fire in their own backyard and kill somebody else. Shame on them. Go ahead. Yeah, where's the governor? Silent. Where's our, uh, Andrea Stewart-Cousins and Carl Hasty and this Letitia James, who's an embarrassment? She's busy chasing Donald Trump. So I got on the phone and I called the governor's office today. You're not going to get them. You'll get their staff. And I gave them a piece of my mind about this craziness. You good, know, but the bottom line you. is we got to get rid of these people. Vote them out of office. It's so important this election is coming up in November. you got to get rid of them. They're not going to change their ideology. This is going only going to get worse. One thousand percent. Steve, thank you very much. And by the way, I'm so glad that you're calling these politicians offices. We need to have more people doing exactly what you're doing. The more calls, the more messages they get, uh, the more letters from upset constituents and peaceful protests, the better. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go to Susan. Line four. Susan, your thoughts. Oh, gosh. I mean, here's this thing um, that. You know, when you look back at the last six months, do you remember the um, the consultant 
uh, who the Asian American woman who was thrown in the subway track and died. Um, yes. The uh, perpetrator there, their family had tried many times. They did know that this that their family member and they could not get any um, help with that. So I don't know if this uh, latest situation with this beautiful baby boomer woman and here's her her father had to be an octogenarian in his 80s. This is not a normal situation of life where you have an 80-year-old parent burying his slain, violently slain hero child. That woman was his child, and he had to be in his 80s, right, Rita? Standing up there and saying, uh, and and she was a hero and saved so many lives. She was just such an amazing individual that was just like, you know, 19 times she was stabbed. We are really in big trouble. And it's it's not, we shouldn't call up Hochul. No, we just need to support the other side because they will come out and now start twisting and saying how now that they're the ones that are for, you know, all this reform. So don't even go to them. They are too far gone. We need to support Lee Zeldin and all of the people that we can count on to make the changes. No, 1,000%. Susan, we're going to go to a quick break. Thanks so much. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. listening to the Rita Cosby show and we are talking about the fact that soft on crime DAs, soft on crime other politicians are giving these criminals a free pass and boy is it hurting society. There are so many of these cases of late that we have seen around the country, two in New York that have just been making headlines everywhere. The case of Lieutenant Russo who, of course, was the EMT, the beloved EMT. She had her funeral today. And then also the case of this father at a college in Poughkeepsie, New York, who suddenly gets caught in a hail of bullets, and it turns out the guy has a track record a mile long, the guy who pulled the trigger. And he had a, he was wanted for another attack in Georgia, He was a fugitive from justice. Then he was considered a primary suspect in another murder just in August in Poughkeepsie. So how was he not locked up then? They clearly knew where he was. How could he be a fugitive if he was a primary suspect in another case? Don't you think when he even checked into the hotel, uh, maybe he had to give ID or something like that? Isn't there some sort of database, some system? Or apparently when he went before a judge in another case in New York, All the charges were dropped against him, not in the murder, but in another case. 
How many free passes does somebody get? And how much are they endangering all of us? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Marsha on line seven. Marsha, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Um, my thoughts are that people can begin, people out in Suffolk County can begin by voting for Nick Lalota for Congress. His opponent supports equitable policing, and Nick is a naval veteran who won a Medal of Commendation in support of the global war on terrorism. So I also would hope that you will have him on, on your program. You won't be disappointed. He's a fantastic uh, candidate out in Suffolk County. He's running to keep Zeldin's seat red. You know, Zeldin had to resign his congressional seat in order to run for the go- for governor. So uh, Nick Lulota is is a very worthy successor. Well, and that's the key is to get people out there who really care about law and order. Uh, what are your thoughts about the fact that this guy had a rap sheet a mile long? Uh, um, Rita, I'm head, I'm the president of the Westside Republican Club, and for years we have been uh, writing letters and um, signing petitions to give the mentally Ill, to deal with the mentally ill homeless. Um, we have numerous suggestions. We've sent uh, letters to all, to the mayor, to all, everyone on city council, and uh, with no reply. Um, there are very um, um, very good suggestions uh, first uh, put forth by D.J. Jaffe of the Manhattan Institute uh, of uh, how to deal with the mentally ill homeless. Uh, this became a problem as soon as Mayor de Blasio took office. Within, within a week, as I was walking on Broadway, every doorway was filled with a homeless person. That had not been the case under Bloomberg or Giuliani. So we need to get the right leadership in City Hall uh, to help us with this problem. Yeah, 1,000%. Marcia, thank you very much. Let's go to Rick on line five. Rick, your thoughts? Hi, Rita. Yes, I think the families of victims should sue the Soros-funded DAs and judges until we can get them out of office and out of their positions. And I also think that um, for open and shut cases like this one, that poor Miss Russo, this animal, this piece of human garbage, he should have a trial that lasts about an hour, and then we should take him out on the street where he committed the crime, and we should execute him in public and let people know this is what we're going to do to human garbage that murdered decent human beings. You know, it's interesting, Rick, because obviously, uh, you know, we can't do that as much as many of us would like to. Um, but your point about punishment and the fear of punishment I think is a really important topic because these people feel so emboldened to go do anything. And that's the problem. Um, you know, I've, I've often equated it and I've said this on the show to a child who puts his hand on like a hot stove. And when they, you know, when they get burned on the hot stove, suddenly they realize that, you know, they shouldn't touch the stove anymore. And what happens in this case with crime, they're not, they're getting, they're going before these soft on crime judges who keep kind of giving them a free pass over and over and over again. And guess what happens when that happens? You know, they don't feel any attachment. They don't feel uh, beholden in any shape or form. They 1,000% feel that they can just get away with it. They can game the system and that they're smarter than the system. And unfortunately, these judges are facilitating them and other politicians. 
And at some point, just like you said, I think we need to find out who's facilitating them, what's the track record, and start calling out these politicians because there is clearly a pattern over and over and over again. Rick, thank you very, very much. When we come back, we're going to continue talking about this. What do you think should be done? You heard Rick and I think it's time for tough love or tough hate, whatever you want to say, because, boy, these repeat offenders over and over again are doing this to all of us. Plus, also, President Biden, will he ever take responsibility for his crazy oil policies? I don't think so. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. In this hour here on the Rita Cosby Show, we will be talking about President Biden and his green energy policies that have really put us in a major national security crisis. And I firmly believe that based on everything we have seen of late, especially now that OPEC is reducing its production of oil, 20 million barrels less a day. Guess what? That has a big impact, and it's going to affect all of us when we go to the gas tanks. And this is really such a horrible situation with everything that's going on with Russia and Iran and Venezuela, who, by the way, uh, now apparently our president in the last few hours that came out in Wall Street Journal is going to be going over uh, to basically uh, send a message essentially to coddle Venezuela and basically say, open up the spigots for us, uh, basically lifting some sanctions there. So companies like Chevron and else can develop in Venezuela, but we're not going to do it on our own home turf. This is insanity. President Trump had his energy independent and this president has killed us and killed our leverage with our adversaries. And that's put us in a horrible, horrible bind. And today he was down in Florida with Governor Ron DeSantis, and he gave him sort of a a half compliment because they're working together, of course, on the cleanup after Hurricane Ian. And take a listen. Here is uh, the nicest thing Biden could say about DeSantis. Take a listen. What the governor's done is pretty remarkable so far. I mean, this is what, what what he's done. And then he couldn't help but basically... Start spewing his green energy policy, which to me is so unbelievable. Hurricanes have happened forever. And yet this president is now saying, oh, it's all of a sudden because of climate. And then in the middle of it all, this comes as we are now in a dire situation where we are continuing, as it sounds like, to tap into our strategic oil reserves. And that is because the president said he wasn't going to do it again. Those are only for emergencies. But because he won't open the spigots in America, we have to tap into our emergency reserves. And then here he is with Hurricane Ian with the cleanup going down, as he should. The president, obviously horrible damage down there. And he goes down and meets with DeSantis. And he can't help himself to start talking politics. Take a listen. 
I've been to a lot of disaster areas in the last couple months, uh, last six months. You know, more of more fires have burned in the west and the southwest, burned everything right to the ground than the the entire state of New Jersey. The, the as much room as that takes up, and the reservoirs out west are 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 down to almost zero. We're in a situation where the Colorado River looks more like a stream. There's a lot going on. And I think the one thing this has finally ended is a discussion about whether or not there's climate change. We should do something about it. Actually, nobody was thinking about climate change, only the far lefties and you. Today, we're thinking about helping those people in Florida. And we're thinking about why are we not energy independent anymore? Because you closed down the spigots and you vilified the oil industry. And now we're all going to be paying a big, big price, especially as we're heading into the midterms. The Democrats may be paying a big, big price price when people go to the voting booths. And in the middle of all this, one thing the president isn't talking, he's talking about green energy. He's not talking about the border. He's not talking about crime. He's not talking about a lot of things. And crime is a huge issue. As we were just talking about some new details coming out in the last few hours on the background of this guy who was in part of the shootout at a Marriott uh, Courtyard Hotel in Poughkeepsie, New York. And he and another guy who are, quote, homeless, even though they were drug dealers and apparently had explosives and drugs in their room. And they were staying in this hotel, kind of checking in and out, because, by the way, now it turns out we find out he was wanted uh, in a case in Georgia involving drugs and guns. Also was the primary suspect in another murder recently in Poughkeepsie, had other serious charges against him about a year ago. Those charges were dropped. This guy was clearly a a bad, bad, horrible criminal, a repeat offender. And yet he got a pass after a pass after a pass. It is shameful. Take a listen. Here's Judge Jeanine Pirro talking about this guy's rap sheet. There's a lot of questions when a guy who has a prior felony conviction is wanted in Georgia. He's wanted not on an arrest warrant. He's wanted on a bench warrant. That means that he was arrested, he was brought in, and then he fled. He was brought in on a cocaine dealing as well as possession of an AR-15 that had been defaced. He was also the main suspect in a homicide in Poughkeepsie, which is where Marist College is. Now, let me I mean, ask yourself this question. If the guy is a suspect in a homicide in Poughkeepsie, if he is wanted in Georgia, he was put in that national database in July in Georgia. The homicide in Poughkeepsie that he's being looked at happened in August. So if he was a suspect in August, why didn't they know he was wanted in Georgia in July? They had that information at their fingertips. They could have arrested him. He could have been extradited. It is unbelievable. And here's a little bit more of what she had to say about the breakdown in the system that put us all at risk. They were not looking for him. They knew he was in Poughkeepsie. He was a suspect in a gang murder in Poughkeepsie in August. They knew if he's a suspect, and I can tell you this, I had three decades in law enforcement. If he's being looked at at a homicide, you there's no question they know he's wanted in Georgia. All they had to do was pick up the phone and say to Georgia, we've got one of your fugitives already convicted of at least one felony. You want him on another felony. We'll hold him for two weeks. Come and get him. That's all they had to do. And this man would not be dead. 
Meanwhile, this man is dead. His family is devastated. The ripple effect is enormous through the community. Yeah, an innocent victim again of a random crime. And here's the question that we're all asking. This is Martha McCallum on Fox. Working a lot harder to protect these criminals than we are to protect Paul Kutz uh, from Long Island, who coached baseball and took care of his yep. neighbor's house. And now his three sons don't have a father anymore because we're not willing to do what needs to be done to get these guys behind bars when they have broken their social contract time and time and time again. So how many chances do you get before you are put away? Because that's what needs to happen to protect society from you. One thousand percent. And then what about the case of Lieutenant Russo? This is the EMT who was stabbed to death in broad daylight. Today was her funeral. And listen to what her daughter had to say at the funeral. She deserves to watch down on her daughter delivering a message of hope. Any hate in your heart created from this sudden calamity, I need you to remove that. I need you to replace it with love. This is not a time to dwell on tragedy. At this moment, we are given a chance for you to reminisce on every and any memory you have of my mother. We have been given this opportunity to reflect on all the amazing accomplishments she has achieved. Do not let your thoughts be clouded by this act of sudden trauma. You need to replace it with honoring my mother for the hero that she was. Hero that she is. Boy, talk about the courage to be able to speak after such a terrible, terrible ordeal. And, of course, Russo's father spoke, and he said he is outraged and lashed out at her killer. Take a listen. I just wanted to also add in here, that man murdered my daughter, and she would be the first one to come to his aid if he ever needed help. He left the lion there on the street like a rag doll that was just discarded. Wow. How heartbreaking to hear this. And again, innocent victims of random crime. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to to Pete on line six. Pete, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Uh, uh, Anyways... You know, love is not going to fix the issue here. This issue has gone way beyond out of control. Number one, you you get what you vote for, number two. And number three is uh, there's going to be vigilante justice, Rita, and it's only a heartbeat away. People are going to take it upon themselves to defend themselves and defend their neighbors because obviously the mayor and governors don't have a clue. They sit back and they allow this to continue. Beyond that, I hope at 71 years old and a vet, I hope the hell I live long enough to see the death penalty come back every damn state in this country. You know what I'm saying? Well, and you know, it's interesting, Pete. I hear you what you're saying about punishment because, you know, criminals, they don't fear it. And those that are getting the sentences uh, often it takes forever, even even in the states where death penalty happens. By the way, there are a lot of people who believe that if it's death penalty, if it's a clear-cut case. I mean, there's a lot of cases where, you know, maybe you have to get more facts or details. But in clear-cut cases, why are they sitting on death row for 15, 20 years if it's a clear-cut case? That's one. Two, the other thing is those who are not death penalty cases, like New York and a number of other states across the country, as you know, um, those people, 
they're supposed to get life sentences. Well, then on good behavior, they get this. Or in good behavior, they, that's even if they get time. That's if they get arrested. I mean, so many of these. How can you explain this case, Pete, of this guy right here who was walking the streets after he was a prime suspect in another murder just back in August? He had a, a warrant out in Atlanta. For the month before, it's like it doesn't take rocket science that you can just find a reason to lock them up. That was enough reason to put them behind bars. They didn't. I mean, what what is going on in these judges' mind that they think there's no harm to society of letting these people who are clearly violent murderers and drug dealers and gun runners out? It just it it, it amazes me, Pete. It's like what kind of a judge, what kind of person with half a brain would think that that's a good thing to do? Isn't that astounding to you, Pete? It's just like it it defies logic. I'm not shocked anymore, Rita, by any of this. This is all crap. You know what? No more security for the leaders. Let the leaders go out in public and let them deal with it. You know? Let's send them out into the limelight. Take away from the limelight and the shows, just like Eric Adams you got in New York City. Take these people out and throw them out in the street at night after dark and see how long they last without security. Yeah, you're right. Uh, they would uh, go to the bathroom in their pants. Trust me, Pete, <laughs> if they dealt with some of the stuff. Uh, Pete, thank you so much from New Hampshire. Thanks so much. Uh, let's go to David in Los Angeles. David, your thoughts. Yes. Yes, regarding the crime, I know everybody wants it to do. Well, we must do something. We must vote everybody out. I've been hearing that for a long time. I'm here to let people know this is not going to be going away no matter what we do. Basically, we're in a new era. I watched a video on YouTube today with a bunch of 13-year-old kids holding these high-power AR-15s, the amount of guns that these kids have. And, and you know, they will kill a McDonald's employee over cold French fries. Uh. Rappers are being shot and killed for their jewelry. It didn't used to be this way. You know, if you disrespect somebody with the wrong look, you know, in the old days, maybe you'd say, hey, F you, or maybe give them a shove, or maybe you'd get into a fist fight. Now it's immediate gunfire. But, um, but, but know, David, anybody- David, let me ask you, though, and I hear what you're saying, because I don't think guns should be certainly in, in the age of, uh, you know, a 15-year-old or a 13-year-old. I, I 1,000% agree. Uh, there are a lot of illegal guns out there, and those illegal guns should absolutely get off the streets. I'm making a distinction between legal and illegal, all right? Um, but but here, let me – how do we fix this? What do you suggest we do? Because in this case of this woman, Lieutenant uh, Russo, it was this crazy guy who came upon her and stabbed her to death. Uh, I mean, you know, even if you took away – uh, obviously, you want to take away the guns from these kids, but how do we solve it? You got to do something. You got to let them know that there are repercussions. And I also think there should be serious, uh, you know, repercussions for those with illegal guns. You know, as clearly a 13 and a 15 year old are. I agree with you. You can't be glorifying them out there, uh, you know, and, you know, parading with a gun or rapping or, you know, bragging about a gun. Uh, I, I think it is completely irresponsible. Go ahead. What I'm saying is that we're in a new era, and not much can be done about it. You have to move but, out but the of these pro- high... But the problem is, David, we're not doing anything. That That's where I have a problem, is like, we're not, like, you know, we're not doing anything. I mean, if you look at the, the background of this guy that I just was talking about, this Roy Johnson Jr., 
He was a wanted fugitive for a case in July in Atlanta. He's a suspect for a murder, another murder in August. And now here it is, you know, October. And this happened in September where he, you know, where he uh, kills this father, Paul Kuntz. So it's like, I mean, how many more things right after each other? He's clearly getting out. People are not locking him up. Um, they're not the systems breaking down. We're not keeping good track of these people. How else? How, no. how could he be a primary suspect in a murder? And he's just hanging out in a hotel lobby. I mean, give me a break. Well, the system has broken down and cops are busy. They, you know, they, they don't want to bother with these things. They're accused of being racist. And we do have a broken system. But, but it's the also the judges, sense. David. It's also you're blaming the cops. It's really the judges. The judges are the ones well, who, the who get the people before and they let them out. They know what they're doing. Listen, everybody votes. You know, this, this is being done on purpose, a systematic deconstruction of America. You know, everybody says, oh, we got to vote them out, vote them out. But we just voted in Eric Adams, Letitia James, uh, Alvin Braggs. Hochul's going to win reelection. Out here in California, Gavin Newsom's easily going to win in the landslide. Uh, you know, there's not a big enough stink being made. And, and, and at this point, it's really overwhelming because even if you win the election, Election. Now it was stolen. The Trump won, in my opinion, and it was stolen. And now look what happened. And you can't do anything about it. I'm just here to say, man, batten down the hatches. Don't expect much to change. These judges are being this way on purpose. And just because Dave from L.A. and Rita Cosby wants things to change, well, they don't care. Otherwise, they didn't do it that way in, in the first place. They didn't let these guys go in the first place because they wanted to lock them up. No, but and you know what? You know what, Dave? I hear you. Um, you're saying some really powerful stuff. We unfortunately have a break, but I just want to say thank you because I at least I appreciate you caring about this country and wanting it to be safe. But I still believe if we speak up and we speak out loudly, especially at the voting booth, it can have an impact. One eight hundred eight four eight. Nine two two two. Dave, thank you so much for the call. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we are talking about new details surrounding the case of, of course, the EMT, the beloved EMT who was laid to rest today, and also the father in that Marist College case where he was just at the wrong place at the wrong time with two guys now with a rap sheet a mile long opening fire and he was caught in the crossfire. What do we do to change all of this? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete, line four. Pete, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Well, you know, that was very touching, what the father, 80 years old, said, and what the daughter did, too. I mean, you got to be really, really brought up right to be forgiving like that, especially the death of her mother, and to say that we should have love. But that's not going to solve everything. We got to take action. We got to get these people out of office, these uh, uh, DAs that are letting people out. What's going on here is a travesty. I mean, I, you know, people go, they're running away to different places. And there is, you can't run away from this. This is all over. It's even in Florida now. DeSantis is doing a great job. And to see him standing next to uh, Mr. President Biden and, uh, you know, and, and the way they conducted, he conducted himself. I mean, I think he was, the way he looked, he had that mad Italian face on it like I have. And he just wanted to give Biden a piece of his mind. But he 
for the good of the country. He stood there and he said, I'm stood proud and I'm very proud of him. And uh, that's all I really can say. It's no, you're very touching. Now, I agree with you. And think about the guts, Pete, of that father and also uh, of Russo's daughter, too, to speak at the funeral. Um, I mean, you know, you just you hear what a loss this was. I mean, what an incredible human being she was and what a huge, huge loss um, for all of us that she's no longer with us. Let's go to Anastasia. Line six. Anastasia, your thoughts. Rita, thank you for picking up the phone. The only thing right now, I'm heartbroken in hearing all these people innocently getting hurt, dying. And what is our mayor doing? I have a message for him. Get to work. Stop partying. We are mourning over here. We're losing beautiful people every day, important people who are there to help and they going like it's sad yep no i hear you anastasia it is absolutely heartbreaking we're going to continue everybody with your calls and also talk about some new developments with the this is the rita cosby show on the red apple podcast network the rita cosby show presents support our heroes And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, where we honor our great military and their family, Harold Nelson, a 107-year-old World War II veteran and a Denver, Colorado resident, was honored yesterday with a Silver Star, one of the nation's highest honors for valor in combat. Sergeant First Class Harold Nelson was drafted into the U.S. Army in July 1941, at age 26, he was one of the oldest trainees back then. He served in F Company, 2nd Battalion, 7th Infantry Regiment, 3rd Infantry Division, and earned two Purple Hearts during his service. He said, I guess the good Lord was looking after me. I made six amphibious invasions under enemy fire, and there's nobody that lived that long, I don't believe. Nelson, by the way, was shot three times during World War II. He even had his appendix removed during the war, and he still returned to the battlefield. By the way, his daughter said that her father was a good soldier who also took care of his men, often relying on the skills that he learned while growing up on a farm in Nebraska. Nelson said, nobody knew how to milk a cow but me. So I milked a couple of helmets full of milk and gave it to my men. That was the best drink they ever had beyond beer, he said, which is a great, great line. Nearly 80 years after his service, Nelson, who also earned two Purple Hearts for his service, is now the latest recipient of the Silver Star. He said, I can't believe it. I didn't know that I was that important. How beautiful to see that he was honored for his great service to our country, and certainly long overdue. Well, big news today that is going to affect all of our pocketbooks, big time. We've already seen gas was up, then it was down, now it's back up, and in a lot of places around the country, it is skyrocketing, and it's about to skyrocket even more. Now that OPEC has decided to reduce 
its production of oil. And because President Biden made us no longer energy independent, we're dependent on places like Iran, Venezuela, uh, Russia, OPEC, a whole bunch of places. He is making us basically beg, borrow and steal because of his crazy green energy policies. And today OPEC announced that they are cutting production by two million barrels a day. And remember, this comes after Joe Biden went and was bowing to the Saudi king, remembering the prince and basically saying, let's work together. I need your help because I'm trying to push this green energy policy. I need your help. We still need oil. And this move today looks so bad on the president. Even Jessica Tarlov, a Democratic strategist, had this to say. Everybody is suffering from these problems. And yes, he did go there and he tried to get the Saudis to back off of this. And it's embarrassing that they then moved ahead and made this cut. It sure is. And remember, President Biden, whenever the gas was dropping in price, he was like, oh, God, look, my policies are working. And then when the gas was going up, he was saying, you know, oh, it's Putin, Putin, Putin. So today with this big news, because this is definitely going to be hurting us and not a good move for the Democrats, especially right before the midterms, because obviously economy and crime are top of the list uh, in terms of interest for all of us. We're so, so all worried about that. Uh, Peter Ducey, the White House correspondent, asked Corinne Jean-Pierre, the junior circle back Saki, asked her, is he going to take responsibility uh, for what is now going to maybe be catastrophic in terms of the economy because it's going to cost us all a whole bunch more. So he's taking credit when it goes down. Is he going to take a credit when now oil and gas prices go up? And listen to this exchange. You've said the president was responsible for gas prices coming down. Is the president responsible for gas prices going up? So it's a lot more nuanced than that, right? Um, Peter, you know this. Uh, there have been global challenges that we have all have de- dealt with. When I say all, meaning other countries as well have dealt with since the pandemic. There's been pandemic and there's been uh, Putin's war. And Putin's war uh, has uh, increased gas prices at the pump. We have seen that over the past several months. And what the president was able to do, uh, he took some historic steps when you think about the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and making sure that he, we were able to do everything that we can to bring that cost down uh, for American families, give them a little bit more of a breathing room. And we saw that. We saw that every day this summer uh, over a, saving American families over a dollar per gallon. And so that is what the president is going to continue to stay focused on, our cons- American consumers. How do we continue uh, to, keep, uh, to keep prices down? That's why we we did the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. That's why we talk about the CHIPS Act. All of these things are going to help Americans here in this country. And joining us now to discuss all of this is economist Steve Moore. He's a visiting fellow at the Heritage Foundation, and he also hosts a great show every Saturday on WABC Radio at 1 p.m. called More Money. And uh, Steve, great to have you here on the show. Hi, Rita. Great to be with you. You know, I want to ask you about a new study you guys just put out, which, boy, goes right to what is happening right now in this country with oil prices and OPEC. Tell us about it. Well, at our Committee to Unleash Prosperity, which is a group that uh, Steve Forbes and Larry Kudlow and our lab and I started um, many years ago, we did an analysis 
of if we just stuck with the Trump policies on energy, which is to make energy, American energy independent and dominant with all the, you know, using all the energy resources we have. Uh, and if we had not had the Biden policy of declaring war on American energy, we would be producing about three million more barrels a day, a day. And if we were doing that, then we would be we would have about one hundred billion dollars more output every year that we don't have to. Imp- so we wouldn't have to import all the oil from, you know, from the OPEC countries. And we would not. Here's the here's the real kicker. If we had done that, we wouldn't have had to drain a single barrel of oil from the reserves. You know, we're running close to empty on the reserves now. We're the lowest level. I think uh, you know this, Rita. We're at the lowest level in our strategic reserves since 1984. And Biden announced today that he is going to draw down another 10 million barrels. So, you know, we're we're getting the cupboard is getting bare. (laughs) It's a really scary premise. And in fact, yesterday, the White House was asked about that. Will you tap in? And they said, no, we're not going to tap in anymore. And then today they reversed course (laughs) and said, yes, we will explain to everybody listening how dangerous it is that we are tapping into them because, as you point out, they are our emergency reserves and they're at a 40 year low. Exactly. They're, they're not supposed to be used, um, you know, during normal times, which is what Biden did. And the crazy thing is we didn't have to, tra- you know, as our study shows, we didn't have to tap the reserves. We could have just gotten it out of the ground. We could have drilled for it. And so instead of getting our energy now from, you know, states like West Virginia and Pennsylvania and Texas and, uh, and North Dakota, we're getting more and more of our energy imported from the Saudis and from the OPEC countries. And, and I'm frustrated by this, Rita, because, you know, when we, I was working with Trump on the energy policy, our whole goal was to break the back of OPEC so they wouldn't have control of the, you know, for most of your and my life, you know, the OPEC countries could control the oil price. But because of the fracking revolution and the shale oil and gas, the United States almost overnight became the number one producer of, of energy. And now we're not doing that anymore. We're not doing the drilling we should be. And so you're right. This is not just an economic problem. I believe it's a national security problem that we're you know, putting more of the geopolitical power in the hands of countries like Russia, China and Iran. And how dangerous is this as we're heading into winter, too? I mean, I think not uh, just for us, but and into Europe. Yeah. First of all, we should look at Europe because that's exactly where we're headed. You know, Europe tried the green energy, solar power, wind power, all that stuff, and it didn't work. (laughs) And in fact, you know, they're using more and more coal and they're now using uh, firewood to keep their homes heated because they're running out of energy. I mean, it's unbelievable. And so we should be producing more. You know, I have a friend who lives in London, Rita. Uh, She told me that they're paying $9 a gallon for gasoline now. $9 a gallon. That is stunning. When you hear uh, that and think, gosh, where are we headed? You see, even on the West Coast, prices high. How high could it get? And are you surprised, by the way, in the middle of all this, Steve, that the White House still refuses to acknowledge that they've played any role? I mean, we hear the White House reporters, you know, Peter Ducey asking uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, saying, you know, he wants to take credit when prices drop with oil and gas, but yet he won't take prices, you know, take any credit um, how do you ever see this White House acknowledging that their policies contributed to it? They keep saying it's COVID. They keep saying it's Putin. Anything but them. Well, you know, I, I have to say I was really disgusted um, by the president today in Florida. I don't know if you saw his speech, but 
you know, the first per, practically the first words out of his mouth were climate change. You know, I mean, come on, this isn't the time for having a political debate about climate change when you have people's homes underwater and people have ruined their life savings. And and, you know, I just thought it was so unpresidential for the president to be, you know, oh, this is all because of climate change. I mean, they've had hurricanes for hundreds and hundreds of years in, in uh, Florida. So. Um, I don't think that the Biden administration is going to change its position because it is uh, driven by this cult of climate change. These people really believe they're going to change the temperature of the planet. Uh, and <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not going to happen, especially when you've got China right now. Uh, Rita, China's building 40 massive coal plants. You know, do you think President Xi cares about climate change? I don't. You know, it's scary because as they're doing that, we are, you know, going and begging, basically. Exactly. Uh, we're in a position where yeah. we're going and begging to Iran. Uh, the new yeah. news also coming out just a little bit ago that we're lifting some sanctions on Venezuela so Chevron can do some development there. I mean, how crazy yeah. is it that we're coddling dictators and yet yeah. killing oil production and jobs in America? I mean, this is insane. It's a well well put, and you know why aren't we getting the the oil from Texas and Oklahoma and North Dakota? You know we have more resources, natural resources and energy resources than any, any other country in the world. We have like 500 years worth of coal. We have at least 300 years worth of natural gas. And incidentally, why aren't we using natural gas, Reed? I mean, natural gas is the cleanest of all fuels. <laughs> you know, it's it's a wonder fuel. It's abundant. It's made in America. It is reliable. Uh, it's cheap and, and, and it's it's clean burning. So I don't understand why the left doesn't want to use natural gas because it's a great way to get electric power production. And I just want to leave your you know uh, audience with one statistic that I think is really important. Today in America, we get 70 percent, 70 percent of our energy comes from oil, gas and coal. You know what percentage comes from wind and solar power? How much? One? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. No, we're up to six or seven percent. So let's say we could triple our wind and solar <coughs> capacity. Maybe we could do that. We're still we're going to get the 80, other 80 percent of our energy. I mean, it's, none of this makes a lot of sense. And I think it will damage the economy. And you're right. So many, you know, those jobs in the oil field and the oil patch, those guys are making one hundred thousand dollars a year. Those are good jobs. Very good jobs. And yet uh, the industry has just been vilified under this president. And now, as you point out, it is a national security crisis and uh, also heading to uh, another pocketbook price, uh, crisis, too. There are just so many levels to this. Steve Moore, really great to have you here on the show. And everybody, make sure you listen to More Money on WABC Radio, Saturdays at 1 o'clock. Always great to have you here, Steve. Thank well, you thanks, so much. Rita. And, and uh, you're going to have to return the favor, and, and i got to get you on, on More Money one of these weeks. <laughs> I would fun. love it. I hear, I hear it's a top-rated show, so i got to be on it. <laughs> okay, you got it. Take care. Have a great night. Great to get Steve Moore's perspective and, indeed, the role that President Biden's policies are just now putting us, I think, in extreme national security danger. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he wanted to cancel anything that was Trump, Trump, Trump. It was like, let's cancel it, even if it was extremely effective and in the best interests of America. That, to me, is despicable. And then today, there he is, down at the hurricane, talking Climate change. It's like, I mean, he is like, it's like somebody like uh, said, green energy is the answer to every question. And yet, clearly, it's not working and it's putting us in an extremely precarious spot right now, an unbelievably 
precarious spot. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jacqueline, line three. Jacqueline, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Um, you know, Europe is in an energy crisis right now, and we here in the United States really need to pay close attention. They're facing energy bills of 10 to 15 times higher because of their failed green energy changes that created a fiasco for them. And I hope that next month the voters in this country send a very clear message about Biden's failed energy policies. We've had fuel prices double since he took office, or like I like to say, stole office. And not only that, um, the price of fuel has now driven our inflation rate to almost quadruple of what it was. We'd be lucky if we don't face the same kind of situation that Europe is facing. Germans, the German delegation to the U.N. laughed at our great President Trump when he warned them about not depending on Russia for their fuel and their energy sources. Right. And by the way, now, right now they're in a dire circumstance, Jacqueline. You know, now Germany, which was the green energy experiment, is realizing it was one big mess. Um, that That's a great analogy. Jacqueline, thank you. You are awesome. Let's go to Roger in Massachusetts. Roger, your thoughts. I've been thinking this for about, I've been thinking this for about a year and a half. Finally, I get to say it. Uh, ending our energy independence without having a viable replacement is like the head of the household deciding, hey, we want to move, we should move into a more efficient home. So you sell your house, you move the family into a motel, And since that's more expensive, you start tapping into your strategic, I mean, excuse me, your 401k uh, until you, you know, find an energy efficient house, so to speak. You know what I mean? It's like that. It's as backwards as the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Backwards. and, And I can't help but think that it's on purpose. You know what, Roger? And I'll do one better. Um, that's a great analogy. So to put icing on that cake, I would also say it's like, let's go borrow money uh, from the local drug dealer, from the biggest thug in town. In other words, we're now trying to coddle Iran. We're trying to coddle Venezuela uh, to get oil out of them. And so it's going to be this, you know, we're now begging from these thugs. I, I mean, that it's like it is an embarrassment. We're the United States of America this is so embarrassing, but that that is a superb analogy. I wish it wasn't true, but boy, is it spot on, Raj. Thank you. Let's go to Bill real quick in New Jersey. Bill, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Great to talk to you. I worked in the oil fields back in the 80s down in the Mississippi Delta, the Emerald Vale. We had so much natural gas. There were jobs everywhere. I pulled into a town with no money. They gave me, they gave me a room. They gave me a you know, diner credit, they gave me a job, Shell Oil. It, it just was so many jobs, it was unbelievable. This guy's draining our oil reserves. We're at war. We're at war right now. We're at war in our streets, and we're at war. They're coming. They're coming everywhere. They're coming over the border. They're coming everywhere. My my great-grandfather brought every stick of dynamite through the Colvan Coal on a barge. They gave him two tugboats at the end of World War One. And his son was sunk on one of the Liberty ships and survived. Uh. We're at war now. They're 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 going to start the bridges over here in Home Delhi. They hit a bridge. They didn't have any protection up for the bridges. 
it's just going to start. You know, when they blew that thing up, it registered like 2.5 on a rector scale. They blew up three train cars in the Brooklyn Navy Yard. My father was on the Carolina. My brother did 47 years in New York National Guard. And my brother Richard did double tours in the Tonkin Gulf. We're at war. Well, and Bill, listen, I think, um, you know, when I look at what's happening with Russia in particular and the fact that now Russia has won over us uh, because they are oil rich, uh, we were oil rich. I mean, I just think back now we would have been in such a much more powerful position had we continued, just continue with Trump's policies. He didn't have to create anything new. Just continue with the policy. Think about the leverage we would have had over Russia now and how we would have been supplying Europe and ourselves and everybody else, our allies. Uh, and then Russia would have been like to its knees. Instead, they have made so much money because they have continued to produce. And meanwhile, we have a president who's talking windmills and killing good jobs, like as you're talking about, even the great job that you had in the oil and gas business. Uh, Bill, thank you. And also, thank you for your great service to America. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about Biden's precarious oil situation. We're also talking about the dangers on our streets with skyrocketing crime. Taking your calls on both, 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Tom, line seven. Tom, your thoughts? Yes, I, I just wanted to um, remind you that it's really not the judge's fault uh, that they let these uh, people go. Uh, you know, Como changed the law. They're following the law. And, and some of that law has spilt over into the municipalities. So on the town level, um, they're having a hard time enforcing, you know, code and stuff, town code. So if... Um... No, but that's true. But there is discretion, Tom. I mean, there is there is clearly a breakdown. If a judge says, no, let's throw the book at this person, they can find a way. And like in this case, um, and we'll talk about Long Island case because you're from Long Island. Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, um, in the case of this father, um, Paul Coots, who was going up to visit, you know, his uh, son at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, right? He goes up, visits the son, and I just, you know, to me, it's just, it's shocking um, because it turns out the guy has this rap sheet a mile long. He's he's wanted in Georgia. He's the suspect in another murder. It's pretty easy to put somebody behind bars. Someone clearly did not put him behind bars. And so to me, that you can enforce the laws. Even if they enforce the laws that are on the books, society would be a lot safer. Go ahead real quick, Tom. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Zeldin has a lot uh, to, to fix. Uh, the, the other thing is uh, is uh, Como uh, has, has closed at least five prisons upstate, five jails. So, you know, that's another problem. That's a great point. No, that's a great point. There are a lot of factors there, and we got to make sure that people are locked up. We can't, like, have less prisons. We need more, and we need tougher sentences so people don't repeat over and over again. Safety is key. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 